and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Probstfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Today, I have my first guest, Hannah Balo. Hannah is a nurse practitioner colleague and friend with lived experience of postpartum OCD, who understands the challenges in finding the right treatment for OCD and the complexities of OCD in the perinatal period. She will share more about what OCD might look like in the perinatal period and how to find the right support for this very challenging, but also very treatable mental health condition. Welcome, Hannah. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Hannah and I have so much in common, and we met through a mutual friend. You have such a passion for postpartum treatment and awareness. Thanks so much, Val. It is an honor to be here with you today talking about something that we both are so passionate about, which is mental health for moms, um, whether that's during the perinatal period or beyond. And I have also loved connecting with you on this topic, and I hope this discussion can be really helpful for many moms who are listening. Thanks, Hannah. And what is OCD? I mean, like we say, oh, I have OCD. I mean, I feel like I hear that all the time. So like when I'm arranging something or if I have some type of type A trait, um, I say, oh, I have these OCD tendencies. Is that the case or is there something more when you truly have... OCD? Yeah, that's a great question, Val. Um, So I would say even as a medical professional, I really did not understand what OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder was until I had it. And even then, it took me a while to um, really figure out that it was OCD because it was not the typical OCD that is portrayed in the media or that you hear about. Um, So the media does like often portray OCD as wanting things to be a certain way, wanting things to be organized or clean or tidy, um, maybe washing hands excessively. Um, And those can definitely be ways that OCD would manifest. Um, But OCD is a really serious and a very distressing condition, um, which would be the difference. Um, So For people who do have OCD or OCD tendencies, it can be difficult to hear people throw around the term OCD loosely or as something funny like, I'm so OCD or you're so OCD, because it truly is a very distressing condition and it can also be really debilitating. Um, So OCD is a mental health disorder. It's characterized by obsessions, which are unwanted intrusive thoughts um, that are very distressing, as well as compulsions, which would be behaviors, um, things that someone does, or they could also be mental behaviors. So that wouldn't be anything that someone else could see. Um, 
And these are done to relieve the anxiety and distress um, caused by the, um, by the thought. Um, so it's a medical condition. It's not someone's fault if they have it. It has been found through research that communication in the brain is not working properly um, when people have OCD. It's kind of like there's a glitch um, in the brain uh, that gets stuck. Um, so you did a great job, Val, explaining some of the ways um, in your last episode um, of how the brain works and explaining what the amygdala does, um, which is that part of our brain that sends that fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, so that amygdala, for those of us that have OCD or um, OCD tendencies, um, is firing away those messages it's always for everyone. The amygdala is trying to keep them safe and warn people from danger. But someone, when someone has OCD, um, they can get stuck on these thoughts. So um, it's like a gear shift in a car gets um, stuck and the car can't move on. Um, that's the analogy um, from the from the book about OCD called Brain Lock um, by Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. And I found that analogy helpful. Um, So most people do have what we call intrusive thoughts, but for most people, these are things that they can easily move on from. But people with OCD experience significant distress from these thoughts affecting their lives and their functioning Obsessions are defined by the International OCD Foundation as thoughts, images, or impulses that occur over and over again and feel outside of the person's control. So people with OCD do not want these thoughts, and the thoughts are considered ego-dystonic, meaning they are not in line with the person's values, and this is what causes the person so much distress. Like, why am I thinking this? This isn't what I want to think. Um, Generally, people with OCD realize that these thoughts are not reality and are not things that are real threats or significant threats, um, but they continue to be very distressing to the person. Um, So... A little bit more information about OCD. Um, OCD obsessions often fall into one of the following categories or themes of OCD, but really they could be anything that your mind can come up with. Um, And usually they attack what is most important in a person's life. Um, So some of the themes that could be OCD, as I said, there could be many more too, but some of Um, Some of the themes are contamination or germs, harm, and that's the one I have personally dealt with most, Um, responsibility obsessions, perfectionism, relationship OCD, gender identity, um, religious or moral obsessions, and sexual obsessions. Um, And that's according to the International OCD Foundation, which is just a really wonderful um, resource and website. for information about OCD. So for moms experiencing perinatal OCD, um, and perinatal means anything in pregnancy or the postpartum period, typically we think um, um, perinatal is pregnancy and then up to a year postpartum. Um, So these moms who are experiencing perinatal OCD 
could have thoughts of any theme, but commonly they will experience thoughts um, around contamination, harm, or sexual obsessions related to their baby, um, which these are very, very distressing, um, and they're very difficult to talk about with anyone. Um, and there's tremendous fear and guilt and shame surrounding these unwanted intrusive thoughts. Um, so then the compulsions are the behaviors that are done in an attempt to minimize the significant levels of distress that come from the obsessive thoughts. And these can be um, physical, such as hand washing or washing a baby's bottle over and over again. They could be checking behaviors. Um, I know for me, I checked the baby's crib over and over again and then would check the monitor over and over again to make sure that my baby was safe and that I had not left anything in the crib. Um, and I would check car seats. When I would get out of the car, I would check the car seats over and over to make sure I hadn't left the kids in the car, even sometimes going to the extent of taking pictures of the car seats to be able to look at later, to remind myself I hadn't left the kids in the car, even though I was looking um, and seeing they weren't in the car. So that just so shows um, how significant and how distressing um, these thoughts can be. Um, but then there also can be, as I said, the mental compulsions. So that could be like avoiding something because it causes too much anxiety. So um, maybe driving, um, giving the baby a bath, changing diapers, being alone with the baby. Um, or for me, it was a lot of mental review, trying to recall if I had done something wrong or if I had harmed anyone. Um, and the Peace of Mind Institute is also a really good um, website. It's part of the International OCD Foundation. Um, they list some common postpartum OCD thoughts on their website as um, fears of contamination to the baby, which would be washing or cleaning, um, excessive praying to ensure the baby's safety, excessive checking that the baby is okay, um, concern about touching the baby inappropriately during a diaper change, um, a fear of impulsively trying to hurt or drown the baby. Um, these thoughts could um, possibly result in avoidance or maybe asking a lot of reassurance from others around you. Um, and these are just a few common examples. As I said, the, um, the thoughts um, really can be anything that your mind can come up with. So for a diagnosis of OCD, someone would be experiencing significant distress from their symptoms and the obsessions and or the compulsions are taking at least an hour per day. Um, so many people can have intrusive thoughts and many moms have intrusive or unwanted thoughts in pregnancy and the postpartum period. And that does not mean they have OCD, but it's really the amount of time and um, being like about an hour per day, at least an hour per day, and really the level of distress that sets OCD apart from just having um, unwanted intrusive thoughts, which um, most people have. 
So overall, about two to three percent of adults in the United States will have OCD, but there is a marked prevalence of OCD in the perinatal period, so pregnancy and postpartum. And recent studies have shown that the rates of OCD in the perinatal period are around 7 to 11%, so much higher than, you know, just the um, the percentage for um, adults in the United States. So that's a significant time to kind of be looking for um, this and just for moms to be aware of. Um, and that um, that information, the 7 to 11%, that is information from the Massachusetts General Hospital Center for Women's Mental Health. Um, and... The really, I mean, the the thing that I want to stress more than anything is that the really hopeful thing about OCD is that although it is one of the most debilitating conditions, it's actually one of the most treatable with therapy and or medication. But in the midst of it, it's very scary. And providers are not as aware of perinatal and postpartum OCD as they are with postpartum depression or anxiety, for example. Well, that's really interesting, Hannah. I mean, I feel like I learn so much when I talk with you about OCD and just all the complexities of it and how distressing it can be for the individual and really how grossly underrated it is in the population. And um, I really feel like for so many moms, the postpartum, and those early years where you said peri- perinatal period is one year, up to one year, and even beyond that. But that first year is so rough. And and in pregnancy, too, I feel like, I, I mean, I know I uh, struggled with a lot of anxiety um, and had like the obsession in particular of thinking of worst case scenarios because I, as a healthcare provider, kind of knew a lot of, oh, well, what if it's this or this. And I would seek reassurance from anyone I could talk to. I talked with multiple doctors, multiple, it just, it would go on and on and on. So I relate to that kind of obsession where like, it's just not enough. It just, you can't get um, enough reassurance. And in fact, the more reassurance you get, the more it really just ignites that fire, that loop that goes in your brain. Um, I like that reference that you had mentioned about Jeffrey Schwartz, that brain lock book. It was the first book that I read that really like talked about OCD from like a neurological perspective of like, oh yeah, there is a loop. There's a loop in my brain that's causing distress where I just have to essentially ignore that loop, take a different road. And a lot of, um, a lot of just neuroscience is that, okay, let's just take a different road and, um, distract ourselves because sometimes that's all you can really do or at least for me that's what I had to do um so uh, and also another resource that I found really helpful um Hannah I I'm not sure if you're aware of him but I with uh Andrew Huberman the Huberman podcast yes and thank you so much for sharing um his Andrew Huberman's um podcast about OCD. It was extremely, extremely helpful. Um, he just did a really good job of explaining what OCD is and like everything, all of the treatment options. Um, so mm-hmm. it is just a wealth of information. Yes. Yeah. He talked about like the difference between like 
an OCD, I don't remember what he called it, but an OCD personality. Yes. Uh-huh. And an OCD diagnosis yeah. and what the differences are. Um, so there are resources, but there's just a dearth of resources. There's just not many things out there. So how can we advocate for this? Um, so Hannah, um, we have postpartum checklists, but do you think that's enough? I mean, so many times I feel like providers are pressed for time and they quickly review it and move on, um, which is unfortunate because, again, these mental health issues are so important and really so underrated. Where can you reach out if you feel like you're struggling? Absolutely. That um, pregnancy and the postpartum time are a time of so much transition and I think there's being pro- there is progress that is being made in understanding what these um, mood and anxiety disorders are in the perinatal period, like anxiety, depression, OCD, bipolar, panic disorder, PTSD, and psychosis. But I think there is so much more that still needs to be done to educate and screen for these in new parents. And parents having a second, third, fourth child, et cetera. Um, I did not have OCD until after the birth of my third child. I had anxiety, um, postpartum anxiety after the first two. Um, but it wasn't until after the third that um, I had postpartum OCD. Um, so I know that I was asked to fill out um, some questionnaires that were pretty short in the hospital. And then at my six week visit, um, they seemed to be more focused on depression as well as there were some questions about anxiety, um, but not about obsessive compulsive symptoms, which actually made me feel like this must be so rare that they don't even have questions about my type of thoughts. Um, I really wish I had received more information about the different types of um, the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and just that they are all treatable with the right support. Um, and I wish I had been provided more in terms of where to reach out for that support. Um, I just, I absolutely believe that all moms and new parents need to know where they can get help and that getting help does not reflect that they are not a good mom or that they are not capable of doing an amazing job raising their children. There are so many wonderful resources to help moms and there is no shame in reaching out. It's actually a very brave step to reach out for help um, so that you can be the best mom that you can be to your children. Any mom can always reach out to um, her doctor, so she could always contact her OB or her PCP. Um, I actually recently talked to my children's really great pediatrician um, because I'm very passionate about this topic, um, and he said he um, they at, um, they are a large. Um, pediatric practice in the suburbs here, and they are beginning to do more screening for the postpartum mental health issues um, because they do realize that they are seeing moms more often than moms are being seen by OBs or PCPs. Um, And they have a unique opportunity to talk about the stresses of parenting, um, like sleep and feeding and all of those that can be so stressful. 
um, and they have an opportunity to present those helpful resources. So uh, my children's pediatrician said he um, had a list of some support groups in the area um, for uh, some postpartum support groups that he would give um, to moms who um, he felt like might benefit from that. So, um, you can also always contact the hospital you delivered at. They should be sending you home with information about postpartum support groups at the hospital or in the community. And you can always call, um, back if you've left the hospital, um, and ask to speak with a social worker at the hospital. If you are in need of some information about support groups or maybe therapists or psychiatrists in the area who might be, um, more familiar with, um, postpartum moms. Um, Another great thing to note for moms with babies is that many support groups and therapists and psychiatrists um, are providing video visits now. Um, So you do not even have to go in person. I know it can be so much to um, try to pack up your baby and go somewhere or try to figure out childcare. So that is a benefit that a lot of the support you can receive just from the comfort of your own home. Wow, that's really, that's so true and so interesting that um, I really didn't know that there were that many resources. I mean, um, so we really, I I feel like, um, I just feel empowered with this information to just say, hey, do you know you can contact your doctor? And I, I love how that pediatrician is seeing moms and being able to talk with them about that. I think that's wonderful. And I know it's it's hard when you have this distressing thought um, or obsession. Um, I mean, like for me, it was like this worst case scenario. It, it was shameful. Like it was just like I did not know who to talk to because it was embarrassing. And um, you know, shame is a very interesting topic. Um, Dr. Barish, a child psychologist at Cornell University, he talks about shame versus pride. And I may have mentioned it in other episodes, but um, when we feel shame, we go inward. We kind of close ourselves in. We put our heads down. We we don't make eye contact as much. But when we feel pride, we expand. We, we, we reach out our arms. We want to go outwards. We want to share our experience with others. Um, so... I, I could see how, like, when you're feeling shame, you, you don't want to share that with someone. But really, it's it's getting that help and, and knowing that you're not alone and that there are resources out there um, for you that can be so helpful um, for us as moms. And um, Hannah, I know that you are a part of the Postpartum International. Um, tell us a little bit about that organization. It sounds really neat. Yeah, definitely. So Postpartum Support International, um, and the website is postpartum.net. They are just an amazing organization with so many free resources available. Um, So I found Postpartum Support International um, when I was first diagnosed with postpartum OCD, and that was after my third baby. Um, And I was really searching for a support group. Um, I had already started therapy with an OCD specialist and I had a great psychiatrist, but I didn't know anyone else who had OCD. And I really felt a need to connect with other moms who were going through the same challenges. 
And I really needed to see also that there was hope for getting through. Um, so I searched and searched, just Googled, and I found a support group um, for um, pregnant and postpartum moms with OCD. And it met every week online, and it was just incredible to meet other moms who were experiencing the same thoughts and navigating the treatment, um, which can be really difficult. Um, So it was really the first time that I did not feel alone in my OCD um, when I was able to join this support group, um, and I felt completely understood. Um, Because although I was surrounded by a very supportive family and friends and a great therapist and a great doctor, they did not actually know what it was like like to live with OCD. Um, So the support group was a very safe space for me. um, And it was such an incredible part of my own journey of healing. Um, I also, with Postpartum Support International, joined a peer mentor program. Again, it's free. Um, It is um, virtual or done from the comfort of your own home. And I was matched with a mom who had recovered from postpartum OCD. And we talked once a week. And then she would check on me um, throughout the week and text me and see how therapy was going. And she knew when I was doing um, some kind of of my bigger, um, it's called like exposures in um, OCD therapy. And she would check in on me and um, just see how I was doing. And that was such an encouragement. Um, And so, yeah, they just have so many incredible resources. Um, and it's all free, um, and it can, like I said, can be done virtually, um, from home. So I now volunteer with Postpartum Support International, and it is a deep honor to support other moms in their journeys, um, because I really know how dark and hopeless it feels when you're in the middle of it, um. But there is so much hope, and that's why I'm so passionate about talking about this and sharing my own story. Um, So Postpartum Support International has a lot of different support groups that meet online every week. Um, They're staffed either by trained volunteers um, or staff, um, and they have groups for so many different things like depression, OCD, bipolar, psychosis, infertility, loss groups, NICU parents, dads groups. Um, They have, so not just for like pregnancy and like that initial postpartum period is what they kind of focus on, but they also have groups for parenting of kids from one to four years old, um, birth trauma groups, black moms, Latinx, South Asian moms. So the list goes on and on. So um, the website again is postpartum.net and those are all free virtual and amazing. Um, so yeah, you can find all of the resources. Um, they have a postpartum support international has a lot more resources than just the support groups and the peer mentor program. Um, another really helpful thing is they have a directory, um, for providers in your area, um, because it can be difficult to find, Um, sometimes it's difficult to find therapists or, um, 
doctors, whether that be a psychiatrist or um, like a nurse practitioner who really understand um, pregnancy and the postpartum period. Um, So Postpartum Support International has that directory um, on their website that you can put in your um, town, your city, and then they will show you everyone um, who is certified um, through um, through them. Um, they also have like postpartum planning classes online that are free and so much more. So check out the website because it is a really awesome organization. Um, they also have a, um, it's called the PSI Helpline, Postpartum Support International Helpline. Um, and this is a number that you can text and then um, someone will get back to you. Um, that number is 800-944-4773. Again, this is all on the website. And then there is a national maternal mental health hotline, um, which is 833-TLC-MAMA. So 833-852-6262. And that number you can call or text um, and they will respond within a few minutes and that's 24-7. So the hotline is the one if it's more of like crisis. Um, and I um, think that is a very good resource. I know we have like, um, you know, suicide and crisis hotlines. Um, but if it is something that is, um, related to maternal mental health, um, I really feel like this, uh, maternal mental health hotline is, um, just has staff that are very specifically trained in, um, the pregnancy and postpartum um, time period. And also it says maternal mental health, but it's also um, dads could call to, it doesn't mean that it has to be a a mom. Um, So yeah, so those are just some of the really, really amazing resources through Postpartum Support International. That's really neat. I will have to check this out. I mean, I've seen the website, but I had no idea all the information that they had. And and you mentioned too, so it sounds like, so OCD, there's definitely a focus on that, but also there's a focus on uh, loss and NICU parents and dads and all sorts of others. So I, I could just see like so many moms, like I feel like you could find something for any mom pretty much on this website, which is really cool. Um, so that's great. And I will, um, post the website on, um, on my, um, episode list, the postpartum.net. So feel free to reach out, um, to, uh, if you ever need any of those numbers and also, and just, I, you know, I have to mention this too, just remember that it's not medical advice that, that we're giving. Um, so just make sure that you come up with a plan with your healthcare provider that's best for you. Um, but we just want to make sure that there's reason that you're aware of those resources that are out there. Cause there are resources. You are not alone. Okay. So Hannah, um, what's the biggest challenge do you see when working with this population? Are there any lessons that, that you've learned throughout your journey? Yeah, definitely Val. I have learned so much. Um, and I really think one of the biggest challenges with, um, perinatal mental health issues, um, especially if the thoughts are taboo or sensitive um, subjects such as harm or sexual intrusive thoughts, 
um, is a fear of being misunderstood as well as shame and guilt and having these thoughts. Um, so there's a lot more education that needs to be done so that moms know this is fairly common. Um, and so that providers are screening for, um, more of the anxiety and, um, obsessive compulsive symptoms, um, as, as well as, um, I feel like a lot of the focus is screening for um, postpartum depression, which absolutely is significant. And that is an important, very important thing to screen for. Um, So I really have learned the importance of asking for help and for advocating um, for myself in what I need. Um, And that meant for me changing therapists um, to someone who specialized in OCD And that also um, included many discussions with my psychiatrist um, about really what was going on and discussing what we both thought would be um, the best plan together. And I'm thankful that he listened to my input and my concerns. um, And I also just learned that it's okay to not be okay. And I always want to be very open with my own struggles so that no other mom feels alone um, on, you know, if they are struggling with mental health. Um, It's not your fault if you are struggling. And it's pretty common. A lot of moms are and a lot of parents are. It's just a time of so much change. Um, And actually, um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, like I said, um, uh, depression, anxiety, OCD, bipolar, um, all of those, they are actually the number one complication of childbirth. Um, and I feel like we don't think about that as much or prepare for that as much, um, when, um, kind of planning to have a baby. Um, so these, affect 15 to 20% of, um, of birthing parents. So that's a pretty significant number. So, um, yeah, so I'm thankful there is so much support that's available. Um, it's just, sometimes it's finding where the support is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that really is significant numbers. And, you know, Hannah, you had mentioned, um, so some of these taboo thoughts. Um, so, you know, I, I remember like in nursing school and just, um, that we would, there's, you know, the diagnosis of postpartum psychosis, um, versus, uh, OCD. What would you say the difference uh, between the two are, um, between that psychosis or the OCD? Yeah, so that's a great question, um, and I think it can be one of the reasons that um, moms who do have OCD um, may be very scared to say what their thoughts are. Being, they might be scared to um, be misunderstood um, that their provider may think they have postpartum psychosis. Um, so generally, um, the difference would be um, that someone with OCD, um, whether that's thoughts of harm, um, sexual intrusive thoughts, they have a lot of distress around the thoughts. Um, they know that these are scary thoughts and they're usually wanting to, like, it causes so much distress for them 
that they actually take steps to avoid these situations um, and they do not want to act on these thoughts. These are like the scariest thing to them um, and they're able to um, realize that those are scary things and they don't want to act on these um, and they don't want to have these thoughts. Um, but with psychosis, um, there is not that same awareness. Um, so psychosis is actually a break from reality and it is a medical emergency. Um, and moms would not be able to distinguish, to distinguish that these thoughts are scary. Um, and they may be hearing voices and seeing things that are not there. So, um, having, hallucinations and delusions. So that's really the difference um, is that with OCD thoughts, those are distressing. Moms don't want those thoughts. Um, they are trying to avoid those situations. And with psychosis, there is not that awareness. It's interesting. Um, yeah. So Hannah, um, I think you're such an advocate for these moms, and I am so thankful that we have people like you out there that really help support moms through their journey and through this difficult time. Um, I'm so proud of you that you're able to share your journey and to help others and to help moms out. Um, I think you're just amazing. And have you thought about ever being a counselor? I feel like you'd be a really good counselor. Well, Val, you're so kind. Um, so I definitely have thought about it. Um, that is a, like a totally other discussion about how hard it is for to find specific OCD therapists. Um, so I have, uh, I thought about pursuing counseling, being able to provide therapy, um, because I am so passionate about moms and mental health and OCD. Um, but I have three little kids at home right now. So I think um, I am just finding my place in advocacy and volunteer work with moms. Um, and that is extremely fulfilling to me now um, while I am in a season of being at home with my kids. Um, so I just feel really, really compelled to use my journey to help other moms in any way that I can. Um, and I'll continue to just keep searching for the best ways that I can do that. That's amazing. Well, we are all glad that you are doing those things. Thank you so much. And um, so I'm so glad to have Hannah here today um, on my first guest episode and help um, other moms share their story. And um, remember, I, um, well, I will post the resources on um, the podcast link, uh, the Postpartum International website, as well as um, some of the other resources here. And then, it, as always, if you have any questions or concerns, reach out to your healthcare provider. And um, Hannah, I'm so glad that you were here with us today. Uh, thank you so much. And thanks, y'all. <laughs>